How's everybody doing? Good looking people in here today. Smart people. Coming to church on a end of the year, getting the new year kicked off. Hey, real quick, let's just let's just take a quick second and just praise God. He's he's unbelievable how good he is, okay? God, we just magnify you. We just honor you. We just celebrate you for being remarkable, for being faithful, for being in every situation that we've been in and taking us into new things, to good things. Thank you that you're always leading us into your best. God, I thank you that you know how to lead. You know how to take us through things and you know how to take us into things. And I thank you that 2018 is a year we're coming into things. And I'm so grateful that we serve a God like you. If you're grateful and Jesus has been good to you, say amen. All right. We're going to have a lot of fun today, I promise you. Um, real quick, um, before I tell you a little bit about myself, I want to tell you a little bit about how much I love your pastor, Pastor uh, John. I love Hope, too. And um, is she? I love her. And 22 years of marriage, right, you guys? Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> uh I was listening to your pastor's message last week. Good message on hope, by the way. Great message. You know, Bill Johnson says that he who has the most hope has the most influence. It's really important that you carry hope. And uh, I love that message. If you haven't heard it, you can go on the Gathering Place website and you can hear that message on hope. Um, I didn't know you were Ohio State Buckeye. Now, (laughs) hey. (laughs) <laughs> hey, no, hey, I'm, I'm a Pac-12 guy, um, but I got to admit, I got to admit, um, I feel like Ohio State got ripped off this year. I've been watching all the bowl games. I don't think you guys have lost the bowl game. You're dismantling everybody, but somehow the SEC got in once again. Alabama, can't stand Alabama. Any Alabama, any SEC fans around here? I tell you, they can play football, but they can't spell. No, have you ever heard the 911 call that happened in Alabama? You ever heard this? Oh, yeah, 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 it's a good one. Okay. So, uh, one day, you know, the 911 call center gets a call. Sir, can I help you? Yeah, I found a body over here on Eucalyptus Street. 911. Sir, Eucalyptus Street? Yeah, I think, I don't know if this body passed out or dead, but you need to send an ossifer over here and, and help us discover what's happened to this person. Uh, sir, can you spell that street, please? A little bit of silence on the phone. Sir, can you spell that, that street, please? Uh, I'm a dragger on over to Elm Street. They can play football in Alabama, but they can't, they can't spell. And, uh, now, uh, I really think you guys have a great pastor, a, a great pastor. Now, to be a great pastor, you gotta love God and you gotta love people. And you have to have been through some things and have gone through some things so you know how to lead people through things. But you also have to have hope. Hope means where I'm going is better than where I've been and where I'm at. And I'm gonna tell you something about the gathering place is where you're going is a good place. This is a great place to get hitched up to. It's a great place to show up to. It's a great place to serve. 
It's a great place to get engaged in, get involved in, get your kids in, get your heart in, get your money in, get your talents and your passions in here into this church. You're going to discover that God's going to do great things with your life because this church has a great hope. Now, I have a dear friend with me, Alec Bevere. He lives with us. Uh, we've adopted him. He's kind of like a son now. He's a USC fan. So, yeah, now you got Ohio State and sitting next to USC. Now, how did that game turn out there, uh, Alec, over the weekend? I don't know. Uh, anyway, hey, you can spell, though. You can spell. All right. Um, hey, a couple things going on. You hear the fasting 30 for 30. Love a church that prays and fasts and seeks God. Intimacy is so critical. Intimacy and hearing from God and knowing God's will and God's word for your life is imperative. Don't, don't be a spectator here in 2018. Get engaged. Get in the game. Put your cleats on. Lace up. The kingdom of God is not a spectator game. It's, it's, it's for engagement. It's for participation. And I'll tell you what, if you will engage in all God has for you and all God has intended for this church in 18, you won't be disappointed. I can say this, though. If all you do is spectate, sit with your arms crossed, kind of wait to see what happens, you might be a little disappointed. You might not see the measure of God that he's intended for your life because you're just watching Let's, let's get in. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's get busy. Sound good? Hey, let me introduce you to my family real quick. Can I, get, I got a picture of my family. Okay. All right. Now, obviously, that's my gorgeous wife next to me. I'm the bald guy, by the way. Not a bad looking bald guy. You know, that's the worst head. You could have an ugly, you know, strange head. I got a decent head, I think. But my wife is stunning. That's our oldest son, Taylor. Um, he's 21. Probably the most like me when I was 21, still kind of figuring things out. Anybody still trying to figure things out? Um, and then uh, my beautiful daughter, Bethany, that's our youngest daughter. She's seven. Our little artist, uh, Josiah, he's 10. Uh, he's the, currently the president of Willow Grove Middle, or Little, Middle Grove Elementary School, fifth grade president. Yeah, he's got high ambitions, little champion. Uh, and he's a soccer player. Big soccer player. The greatest sport on the planet is soccer. I just want to communicate, you know, the global sport. They, don't, they only play football in this sport, in this nation. So just, just saying there. Um, my son Jacob here on the, your left, is, uh, he just went into the Marine Corps on Sunday. So uh, when I see guys going off for deployment, uh, I can't say how much that touches our heart and we're so proud of our son, Jacob, who's chosen to serve this great nation. We serve. We're, this is the most privileged. You know, it, I, I've heard it said, if you live in America, it's like you won the lottery. Just the privilege of growing up with the opportunities we have. The privilege. It's really important if you're going to be somebody that seizes everything that God has for you this year, you appreciate what's been given to you. And one of the things that will hamstring us is if we get caught up in focusing on what we don't have, what God didn't do, what, what's difficult for us. One of the secrets that unlocks potential in us is when we start to be grateful for what we do have. Let me tell you something. Living in this nation is something we need to be grateful for. But you know what? Let's keep it great. And you know, it's our responsibility. Again, living in a great nation is not a spectator sport. It's a roll your sleeves up. I'm here on this planet, in this nation, to make it better. My son put his hand up, 
And he said, yes, I will help make our nation. I'll defend our nation. I believe he's a patriot. He's only 19, and this young man has a passion for our country and our country's future. You know, the Americas really, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. We're only 250 years old. We're less than 250 years old as a nation. Um, I read a great book by Michael Medved. He says, America is the greatest miracle to ever happen in the last 250 years. And it's really important sometimes that we get out of our small little myopic world, you know, where I need my bills paid and, and you know, I got to make sure I, my, you know, I, I check my Facebook and updated my Instagram. And we got to sometimes enlarge our eyes and realize that God's into doing big things all around the world. And he's actually depending on this nation to be healthy and strong and capitalistic and free and not socialistic. And so God is really engaged in our country. I'm grateful that our, that our son Jacob is in the Marine Corps. And I'm grateful for that family that's going on deployment. Um, I'm just so grateful for you. God's with you. All right, are you guys ready to get into this a little bit? Feeling all right? All right, uh, I know without a doubt that God has spoken to me about what to share with the gathering place today and and um, a little bit of my life stories tied up in this message. But I'm believing that God is after courageous people. And the kingdom of God, if you could find a word that describes kingdom-minded people, that word is courage. And so what I want to speak on today is how do I grow in courage? How do I become somebody that can seize and grasp and press into the kingdom of God. And, and I believe if I can grow my courage quotient, if I can develop courage as a man or a woman of God, wherever I'm at, whether I'm still in school, whether I'm in a career, whether I'm in my family, whether I'm running for political office, whether I'm in the Marine Corps like my son, the attribute that's going to allow God to use me and for me to get in to make the difference God's called me to make is courage. And I'm going to talk about courage today. Does that sound good? You guys ready to get after this a little bit? Okay. Um, don't just come to be entertained or to be um, encouraged on the outside. God is an encourager. In other words, he wants to put it inside of you, okay? And so God is going to do that this, this morning. Number one, I like to take the word courage, okay? And I like this because really if you develop any of these blocks, okay, um, they're going to work out for you. Every one of these blocks is important. But I want to start with the C because the C is my story. The C, the first thing you want to develop if you're going to be a courageous person, is confidence. Confidence. Now, I know the value of confidence. Now, let me ask a question, though. If you're eating food, anybody like to eat? I mean, like, what's, like, something just mighty tasty? For me, I like a good, a good steak. Like, oh, just a, come on, just, oh, New York strip, just, ah. All right. If I'm going to eat steak, though, what's the number one seasoning that makes steak remarkable? I mean, if there's just one, like, seasoning that makes that steak like, oh, my gosh. Ah, good, good. You're all, you're all, you're all wrong, actually. <laughs> number one, number one, guaranteed. This ingredient can even make... An average steak, delicious, called hunger. 
Oh, it's called hunger. Let me tell you something, though. Confidence is that seasoning on your life that makes average things remarkable. And I'll tell you, if we can grow your confidence, confidence is that foundation that will unlock courage in your life. And and let me tell you, my story was 30 years of my life I lived without confidence. No confidence. might make you think I had confidence. But when I looked at myself, I doubted myself, didn't believe in myself. One of the greatest miracles of my life isn't that I've been married for 13 years. By the way, you might see that my son is in the Marine Corps. How's that if I've only been married for 13 years? Well, I'm married into those two little guys. Um, And so uh, I'm coming out of a broken marriage, by the way. Anybody ever been through anything that didn't work? Okay. Um, one of the things I love about God is he doesn't throw away broken things. He restores broken things. And he reuses and, and he, he actually utilizes your broken places to accomplish his best work. Okay, and so a lot of my life was first built on a really poor foundation of insecurity and rejection and not believing in myself, not trusting in myself. And so, yeah, being uh, married for 13 years... Um, it's been remarkable. It's amazing. Great marriage. Amazing wife. Uh, we started our own company 12 years ago. Um, it's pretty crazy what God's done with a, not, a, not a remarkable stake, but a pretty average stake that he put some miracle confidence on and started to grow and utilize. Um, that company in 12 years is doing about $30 million a year. Right now we're in five states. Um, he's just blowing this business up. We're in Uganda doing international work, growing trees over there, for-profit. God's called us to deliver that nation from poverty, and so we're utilizing business skills to bring economic revival into um, Uganda. Not your typical missions trip, but it's having a huge kingdom impact. And uh, the gospel's reached everybody over there, but they're still without hope, despairing, and have no future. Um, and that's because they don't have jobs. There's no economy. The young men are, are, are not knowing what to do with their lives. And if there's anything you could do to destroy a young man is to not give him anything to put his hands to. And what men need is something to put their hands to. And so we're giving jobs and restoring the, the economy over there. And you watch, um, not because we're great or we're smart, but because we have um, the touch of God on our life to accomplish what he's ex- what he's intended to do in that nation. So we're doing that over there. And there's all kinds of crazy things, but none of that started to happen. The business didn't blow up. I would not be in a healthy marriage right now. I'd probably be in my second or third broken one. Um, It all happened when God began to change the inside of me and allow confidence to become the norm for this life. And when you've lived 30 years without it, Sometimes it takes a little bit of reprogramming for you to start to live with it, right? It needs a miracle. It needs a touch of God. It needs the love of the Father. Okay, and I'll tell you, it was God's love that restored me. But it also takes me partnering, takes us partnering with new thinking. Okay? And so confidence is just so imperative. If you don't get anything from this message, I'm going to tell you something. Get this, get the C. Get the C. Get the fact that God can take a broken person, broken marriage, 
broken young man. You know, for me, it started when I was 10 years old, same age as my son, Josiah. Started, I tried out for this soccer team. I, got, I was, thought I was pretty good. You know, um, I grew up, I was always a decent player, and I got invited to try out for, like, this academy team when I was 10. I was in fifth grade, the exact same age as my son, Josiah. Fifth grade. I was the last cut. Didn't make the team. You know what I did? I went home, and I cried. But I didn't go like Michael Jordan and try out the next year and make it and become some legendary player. I went home, and I vowed. I'll never give 100% to anything again for the rest of my life because I was afraid to fail. Have you ever encountered something that didn't go your way and it set you into a spiral of never trying again? That was my whole life. And so nothing that I did really worked all that well because I was always afraid of failure. Okay, so when you when you are programmed to fear failure, you will never step into the things that God's created you to do. And so the beginning of confidence is recognizing, number one, that's not how God intended me to be. He wants me to be all in. I can be all in. He loves me. He's got a great intention for my life. And if I follow him on the path that he's ordained for me to take, I don't need to trust myself. I actually just need to trust him. Because, you know, getting into confidence isn't because I all of a sudden just one day started trusting me. No, it's I trusted him. I trusted him. In fact, he showed me what to do. He said, Colin, if you do it, I will make you successful. He didn't say, oh, I've changed you so much. Now you can depend on yourself. No, he said, trust me. Do your best for me. The results are up to me. And therefore, you won't be disappointed by going all in for me. On the other side of going all in for God is the results are his responsibility not mine. And guess what? You get a couple wins under your belt because you trusted God and went all in in the thing he told you to do. You know what that breeds? Confidence. You can start to build a track record. You know, one thing I'm most afraid of still is doing things in my own strength. That's the great, in fact, that's the fear of God for me is the fact of being left on my own to keep this business together. It's 30 million now. It's like paralyzing to think God would not be in it with me. And now I'm somehow supposed to get this accomplished in my own ability. That, that's like, that'll, that'll just keep me up forever. But when I can continue to just shift weight onto him who called me to do it, it brings this liberty. It brings this freedom. And you know what else it brings? Confidence. I am not afraid of my business falling apart. And it's not because the economy is great right now. Thank God it is. No, it's because he called me to do it. And after a while of living in what he called you to do, you start to realize that you can be confident, not anxious, not fearful. It's a great way to live. Sound good? Okay, let me read a scripture with you about courage. And uh, I, I love to honor time. Is there, a, is there a time around here, John, that I can just keep aware of? Okay, what time do you want me off this stage? Boom. I like you, Pastor Mark. Um, okay. Hebrews 10.30. And I'm getting back to the theme of courage, all right? Why we need to be courageous. Because I believe without courage, cr- courage is, is, is an expression of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. 
Okay? So without a courageous life, without an all-in life, it's very difficult to please God. Okay? So Hebrews 10, 38 says this. But my righteous one shall live by faith. Right? I take no pleasure. I have it now. I have it now. I got it on my thing. I got the time. 1240. I'll be done. Hey. Hey, confidence, man. What's wrong with being confident? My favorite song. Um, my righteous one will live by faith. I take no pleasure. This is God. I take no pleasure. This is what God says about you and I. My righteous one shall live by faith. I take no pleasure in one who shrinks back. You know what? When I'm discouraged is when I shrink back. When I'm hopeless, despairing is when I shrink back. When I'm depending upon myself is when I start to feel like I don't think I can compete in this arena. I don't feel like I have what it takes to ask her out. I don't feel like I have what it takes to own a house. I don't feel like I have what it takes to to be all that. So I shrink back. But that's not what the righteous do. But we do not belong to those who shrink back. The gathering place does not belong to those who shrink back. Let me say that again. The gathering place and those who are in this room right now, we don't belong. Our association is not with those who shrink back. We associate with those instead who have faith and are saved and are courageous. So your nature as a believer is courage. Let me tell you something about shrinking back. If you don't grow in confidence, if you don't grow in courage, it says this, that those who shrink back actually experience destruction. Not not always eternal destruction, but I don't know about you. I need some things on earth to work. I need my family to work. Okay, I need my business to work. We got 50 some people that work for us and their families. I can't shrink back. I can't get timid. I can't get fearful. I can't buy in to the fact that God's not going to come through. I can't I can't entertain thoughts of shrinking back because that's where destruction happens. We can't afford destruction. In fact, we owe the world construction. We owe the world a, a demonstration of God's faithfulness. Because there's people looking. And they they might come to church, but really what they're looking for is show me a life that works. Show me somebody who was jacked up and broken down and lacking confidence, who now is on the other side of despairing life, and their life is working. That's why I actually love that I've been through so much hell. Because it's proof that a life surrendered to God can leave hell and come in To heaven. Heaven isn't just a place I'm going to live in in the sweet by and by. Come on, David was this. He said, I'm confident of this. I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I'll tell you, God's looking not for some people who are just hoping to get out of the earth. I'm telling you, that does not please God when we're so fearful and overwhelmed by the big bad enemy and, and, and the news media and everything that's just so evil out there. That doesn't please him. What pleases him is a person who says, here I am. Yeah, I know things are messed up. I know. It's not even my responsibility that things are as bad as they are. But here I am. Use me to make a difference 
to prove that you're a real God, to prove that you're good, to prove that you're faithful. If God can find a man or a woman who puts their hand up, says, here I am, God, use my life, you think he's going to do it? You better believe it. You think God's just like, yeah, let's just get him out. It's too tough for him. Let's just, let's just rapture him. Let's rapture him. Too hard. Heck no. He's just looking for another generation. He's just looking for a different kind of spirit. People that are able. Let's be those people. All right, all right, all right. Let's keep moving. I only have an hour and 15 minutes left here. Um, my O. Courage. <laughs> Obedience. Takes courage to live an obedient life. Let me say that. There's two kinds of obedience that I want to hit on today. The first is like Abraham's obedience. It's like immediate obedience. He got up the next morning, saddled his donkey, and went to do exactly what God showed him to do. And I pray that there's some things that God shows you to do today. Things that you know when you leave here, it's like, I got to make that phone call. Man, I got to go back to school. Uh, It's time for me to go back and get my degree. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I've been putting it off. It's time. Um, uh, immediate obedience. And remember, most of us think immediately through sin consciousness. We're thinking, oh, I'm doing a bad thing. I'm doing a bad thing. I need to stop. Yeah, sometimes. But we're of a people that have a righteous consciousness. In other words, God's calling us to do good things, not just stop doing bad things. And so think about that through the lens of, when you think about obedience, think of it through the lens of doing good. Doing something good for Him. Something He's called you to do. Man, maybe, it's, maybe you need to go trial for that football team. Maybe you, need to, maybe you need to go live a bigger life. Maybe you need to do something courageous. Okay? Obedience. Abraham had quick obedience. He heard the word of the Lord and he moved immediately. There's another part of obedience that's critical. It's called long obedience. Long obedience in the same direction. God showed me to do it last year. I've been doing it hasn't fully realized into everything I thought it was. But I'm not going to stop. We want to pray, Mark Batterson calls them, as soon as possible prayers. But really God's after as long as it takes prayers. That's long obedience in the same direction. In other words, I know what God's called me to do, and I'm going to continue to stay on the task until it gets done. Most of us, we like shiny things. It's like, yeah, when God first told me it was like shiny and exciting. But now this is shiny and exciting. And in three months, that's going to be shiny and exciting. And so all of a sudden, I'm chasing shiny stuff. But let me tell you what a remarkable people with courage do. They polish what's in their hand. You've got to make what you're currently doing shiny. If you're always chasing shiny things, nothing's going to be shiny. Nothing's really ever going to be fruitful. If you're starting something new every six months, sometimes the most fruitful things, we, our business wasn't extraordinary for about eight years. It was just hard work. It's not even that like sexy of a, of, I'm in construction. It's like, come on, how like unshiny is this business? But you know what? God told me to do it. I stayed in it, kept polishing it, kept thanking him for the opportunity Kept thinking, when, it, when it didn't feel very cool, but let me tell you something. 
When it's $30 million and you're employing over 50 families and you're in different nations making a massive difference and you're giving huge amounts of money to the kingdom of God, that's exciting. That's exciting. But that, that didn't happen. You know, most of us want this overnight success story. But Jim Collins says the average overnight success story is nine years. That's long obedience in the same direction. Most of us grossly overestimate what we can do in one year. So we're coming up on the new year. It's like, heck yeah, man, I'm going to have a great year. But most of us grossly underestimate what we can do in a decade. We have to be decade-minded. We have to be long obedience-minded. If we're going to really make a difference with our lives, it's not a flash in the pan. It's an ongoing consistent faithfulness. Great book out there called The Compound Effect or The Slight Edge. Anybody ever read that book? Oh my gosh. And it talks about the little little disciplines that we do, that we make, I like that, every day, that, um, that bring compound returns. Now, I just ate like a lot of food on Christmas Day, okay? Now, that's fine. It's one day. Now, if I ate like I did on Christmas Day, every day, there would be some compound returns associated with that decision making. If I get up and I join the 30 for 30 prayer team, and I do it for one day, there might be some effect. But if I get on it for 30 days in the Word, 30 days in prayer, what happens is, is there's a compound effect. A compound effect, compound effect, compound effect. What if you did it for, what if you, you got all this momentum after 30 days and you're like, you know what, I'm not going to stop. You know why my life changed and how I got confident? You know what God told me? He says, if you'll build a lifestyle of prayer and devotion, you'll never lack confidence. Because I will always be there for every season you're in. Fifteen years ago, I started morning devotion. And uh, have you ever heard of the 10,000-hour rule? 10,000 hour means you can master anything in about 10,000 hours. But over the last 10 years, pardon me, 15 years, I've logged about 6,000-plus hours of prayer and devotion. And it's funny because my life's just gotten bigger, way, 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 way bigger than I could have ever, ever imagined. But I'm not in any stress or anxiety because I've logged time. I got a compound effect of spending time, starting my day with Him. Let me tell you something. That's not just for the pastor to start his day with Jesus, tell you what God's going to do in your life. It's for you. Imagine if you started. I didn't start till I was 32. And in 15 years, just God has blown my mind what He can do with a person who's single-minded, who stays connected to Him, who's practicing long obedience in the same direction, not chasing every shiny thing, not discouraged every time He comes up against somebody better than Him, or more handsome than Him, or has more hair than Him. I mean, I can find a lot of reasons. I'm 5'9 and I'm bald. I can find a lot of reasons why to be insecure. Okay? I can't. I can't. In Him, I stay confident. I think I'm actually more attractive because I'm in Him. 
I do. Keeps me fresh, focused, passionate, excited. Come on. Let's get some long obedience this year. Let's begin. Number one, okay, not every, not every habit in your life is bad. What if you just added to it? What if you kept doing the good things? What if you identified the three things you do well right now and you said, you know what, I'm going to actually spend a little more time on these. I'm going to sharpen the saw a little bit more. I'm going to practice that thing a little more. I'm going to master that thing a little bit more. What if we stop doing everything? There's a great book I'm reading right now called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Sometimes the answer to a more fruitful, abundant life is not doing more stuff. It's doing fewer things better. Come on. Long obedience in the same direction. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. Oh, my goodness. You know, it takes, it takes courage to be obedient, in my opinion. It takes, it takes courage. The kingdom of God is not religion. It's not duty. It's faith. It's it's, it's responding to a remarkable God who's got a crazy good life for us, and it's saying yes to it consistently. I'm telling you, that does not lead to a disappointing life. That leads to a rich, exciting... I'm not saying it leads to an easy life. I promise you, it does not lead you into ease. But do you really... Is that really what you want? Are you after ease? Are you really wired for easy... Or isn't there something more inside of us that wants to see what this engine can do? That wants to see what God built and what it can become? What if we push the limits on how and what God made? Oh, my goodness. That's where I want to go. All right, now this is the part where I felt like I had a real clear, some real clear prophetic insight for this church, for the gathering place, for the people here and I even changed my you. A lot of times when I'm on you, I go under authority, um, unity, things like that. But in this situation, I felt I needed to go down the road of understanding process. Okay? Now, anytime God's getting ready to do something special, and in fact, the greater the thing that God wants to accomplish in our lives generally has a greater requirement of process for us. Look at David. Would you say, before he became the king, that he had to go through a few things, maybe minor challenges that might have processed his trust in him, his character? How about Joseph? You can't find me anybody that God used to do mightily, to do anything mighty, that didn't go through some process. And I want to understand a little bit of process. I got my son, who, who turns... Um, who turns 11 next Monday, a slingshot. And uh, I haven't used a slingshot in a while. And uh, But I was thinking about this, and I hadn't really thought about it before. I don't think I've ever taught on this. But I was. there's a couple things that can hinder this thing from functioning. One is this thing's tangled up. Okay? Say I wanted to send like a Snickers bar out. To a, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I'm gonna send it right to you, baby. But but my my my, my slingshot's a little tangled, right? How, how effective is this, this going to be? Kind of disappointing, right? One of the components of process is God will always wants to untangle you. He always, you know, sometimes it's it's bad decisions. Come on. 
bad business partner, <laughs> bad relationship, bad fill in the blank. Sometimes that's the case. Trust me, if God's wired you for a great future, he, he is committed to untangling you. He is. He is. He is. He, he, his forgiveness, his grace, he will never come at us with shame. He'll never come at us. Sometimes guilt will. He'll, he'll make you feel bad about, um, I just remember my, my wife's been, went through a ton this, this last, this last um, quarter. And, um, and I was not really being the best husband. I was um, not being very empathetic. Um, I like to move, man. We got we got stuff to do this year. We got come on, we're gonna take over the world and 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 she needed to rest, to be honest. And I wasn't really processing that and so um God God really convicted me about not being a great caretaker of her in the season of life she was in. This was just like three days ago and and so I <laughs> and, you know, uh story of my world is uh I never want to dull my voice, to dull my ears to his conviction. Never, 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 never. I never want to say, yeah, but I got $30 million business. I don't need to hear. No, no, no. I always want to stay sensitive to my father. Always, 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 always. And so he was, so, so there was some dysfunction in my, in my weapon, in my life, because I was pushing where I needed to be resting and covering and, and protecting and being empathetic. I was being impatient. And so he was trying to... So I, I, don't, I don't know what your story is. You're, you're different, but you got a story. I would imagine you're not as perfectly uh, unwound um, as you'd like to be. Well, what's he saying? What, 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 what could he untwist you from today that would get you working again? Okay? What, what could he do to get your... You're a weapon in his hand. What could he do to get you functioning again? doesn't have to be a major thing. What if it was just a minor thing, just a little tweak that could get your life functioning, flowing, operating? So part of the process is God wanting to undo things that are twisted, okay? And um, don't, again, don't always think sin, sin, sin. Yeah, if you've got stuff in your life that you know is not God's will, untangle yourself from it, okay? But there is so much more to the kingdom of God than just, just doing, just stop, than just stopping doing bad things. He wants to unlock you to be the powerful person that He's created you to be. Sometimes He's, He wants to just connect you to some remarkable people. But until you disconnect from some pretty average people, He can't make a new connection Come on, can we be, be a little bit bigger? Can we, can we respond to a God who's maybe actually wants to do something special, remarkable through us? The second part of process is the part I really don't like. So if I'm going to try to get that Snickers bar to you, wouldn't I want to push the slingshot that way? But yet, process says, i got to come almost the opposite way of the way I know I'm supposed to be going and yet and yet there's it's apparent that I'm not going the way I'm supposed to go understanding process has everything to do with how far your life will project so let me ask you this let's just say I wanted to Get that Snickers bar. That might be a little dangerous. 
Let's say, let's say I'm a person that doesn't like process. And I'm, I'm, I love the kingdom of God and I love Jesus until he starts pulling on me. Oh, because let me tell you something. If you sign up for the kingdom, he will pull on you. Any, I, I, if you're after a church or a, a, a faith that's comfortable, this is the wrong one. It's the wrong one. Okay? If you're after adventure and excitement and, and Him coming after your life, this is the right one. If you're after Him making you better, stronger, more effective, more potent, more powerful, more holy, more loving, more patient with your wife, He'll come after you. But let's just say I'm one of those people that I don't like that. And I, I'll only let Him pull back, like, as soon as He starts pulling back, I'm... That's it. How far do you think this thing is going to go? But yet, if we're not people that understand process, and then we wonder why our life isn't going far, fast, having impact, we want to pray for the sick, we want to build a great business, we want to do something that makes, makes a difference in the world, and yet when we put our hands to it, it's just kind of impotent, kind of weak. And yet we don't like process. What if I'm a person that just keeps submitting the process? What if the season you're in is more about this than you you misinterpreted it? You thought it was the enemy who's destroying your life. And, and yet God is... Oh, and I'll tell you, sometimes, sometimes when you're in process, you can't tell the difference. Because it feels like you're on the edge of going down. But if you're staying close to God, He'll interpret your season differently. And right when you're about to do something stupid and and take Saul's life, you'll realize, no, 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 no. I'm in process. I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to let God handle him. And immediately, it comes back further. What if... What if God could just launch you because you would be willing to submit to the process of the kingdom? Understanding process is imperative. It's actually the word I had for the church, if I could be real honest. There's a lot of great points here. They're all important and some of them. But, but I feel like this church has been in process and I feel like some of the people here have been in process. And if you don't properly interpret process, you could, number one, get out of get out of attention too early and miss the launch. God wants to launch. God wants power. He wants impact. He hasn't destined the gathering place to be a church without power and impact. He's destined this place to be a church of impact. But that's going to require not just your pastor submitting to process. What I love about him is he's a man who's willing to be processed. But really, that means you. You can't step into the power of the kingdom without the process of the kingdom. Amen? I probably should just throw this thing out here. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a good idea. Who, who's, who likes Snickers? Anybody? All right. There we go. Hey! Hey! Handles! Handles! Um, let's keep moving here. We're going to wrap this thing up. 
Yes, sir. I'm wondering, since that word was the word you really felt was prophetic, maybe you can come preach on rage. (laughs) (laughs) The next time we have you back, and maybe we can impart. I I, I agree, man. Um, I want to show one other picture, though, real quick, and then close this out. Um, I'm going to move to to G, and we'll get rage next time, okay? And we knew this was going to happen, actually. Um, but G is grace. And, you know, I'm, I'm challenging us right now to be people that are bigger, live a big life, submit to a, a big God who wants to actually use you to do big things. And, and I trust me that that's the heart of our father is no father, no natural mother or father is dreaming of small, insignificant things for their children. They're not out there like, wow, I just hope my child just survives in life. You know, I think any healthy father or mother, number one, sees the potential of their kids and dreams they would do everything. But there's a dimension of God that's really imperative, and I'm going to close on this, and it's, it's grace. And, and God wants us to grow in grace. And I wanted to show a picture real quick of my daughter. Her birthday's tomorrow. So this was a few years ago. If we could bring up that picture of my daughter. This is a, in my opinion, um, picture of Grace. This, this, I think, was when she was turning four or five. She turns eight tomorrow. So I think four. And so she, she was, uh, it was a Hello Kitty party. Hello Kitty's still in, I think. And um, it'll never go out. Well, it was, it was, um, it was her birthday party, and she was going to blow out her candles. Yeah, it's obviously four. There's four candles there. And um, and so she was blowing on them, trying to blow them. You know, when you're four, sometimes you, you, you're blowing. You're not even blowing on the right thing. You're more spitting. Um, and there's everybody surrounding her, you know, and she was supposed to blow these candles out. And, and, um, and it wasn't working, and she almost, you know, burned her lip, and she was trying to do it in her own strength. And, and um you know, and I'm a good father, so I was sitting there thinking, wow, what an opportunity for her to just learn a lesson. Might be good for her to burn her lip right here, because then she'll just know. You know, I mean, what? sometimes we think God's like that, though. You know, he's, all he wants to do is teach us a lesson, and it would be good for us to learn another lesson through this. But no, 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 no. Like our Father in Heaven, I'm a good father. You know what I said to her? I snuck in behind her, and I said, hey, baby, try again. Because she was frustrated, you know. Try again. And she blew. And then I blew at the same time. And guess what happened? She thought she blew the candles out. She did, actually. But she was obeying and what I told her to do. But therefore, she unlocked her daddy's breath. And I want to talk a little bit and end on this message right here. Because this is the grace message. It's when you step into the thing that God called you to do, you're going to find sometimes that it's way over your head, way harder than you thought. Your own power is not getting the job done. But this is the beautiful thing about if it's Daddy who told you to do it, because He promises to get behind you and blow with you. And I feel like if there's anything that I would say to the gathering place and to you is God wants to get his breath behind you this year he doesn't want you going after small things he wants 
He wants you to go for Him. He wants you to try again. He wants you to give it your all again. And, and He promises, He promises to get behind you. That's grace. The divine empowerment to get done the work He's called us to do. Grace doesn't mean it's not just my ticket to heaven. Grace is His power for what He's assigned me to do on earth. He wants to get heaven here. He's got heaven in heaven covered. He's trying to get heaven here. But he needs people here who will partner with him and blow on some things and step into their assignment so he can get behind them. What would your life look like this year with God's back? Oh, come on. Now, I'm saying it's not a free thing. You can just go do anything you want. He's going to back you. The secret to this is you discovering what He wants you to do. And if you will step in to what He's designed for your life, you'll find His backing. There's nothing like the backing of Father. Nothing. And let me say something. Life will teach you plenty of lessons. I'm a good father. My greatest desire is to protect and to bless my children. It is my greatest appetite to bless and position them for what's best. That is, that is what I think about all the time. Why do we think our Father could be any different than that? He is longing to get us into His best. Alright, guess what? I'm going to finish on time. I want to close this in prayer here. Um, we'll come back for the rage. Confidence. Okay, clear as day. If you struggle with confidence, it's a good day for you. It's going to be a good year for you. Let me say, it started with me believing that God actually had confidence for me, that he could change my name, that he could change my identity. But then it got to me getting on the same path with him. And it's been a process of growing constantly. Miracle process. Got it? Miracle name change, the process of growing in confidence, to where I don't even recognize inferiority and insecurity anymore. It's not who I am anymore. It used to be all I knew, and now I'm unfamiliar with the old me. That can be your story. Why go another year, day, in insecurity and inferiority? Why? Why not offer the world a steak? That's tasty. Obedience. Obedience. Immediate obedience right now. What good thing did God call you to do that you need to leave here, make a phone call, say yes to, go after this week? What is it? Immediate obedience. And then what long obedience thing? What thing do you need to keep doing? You kind of grew a little weary in your well-doing. There's no harvest in growing weird. You have to revive the polishing of the thing God called you to. What about the process? Can we reinterpret what going backwards might really be? Can we untangle from things that are keeping us from projecting God's goods into the world, have an impact? And then finally, can we allow God's grace below get behind us amen all right let's pray
Father God, I just want to thank you for just a great atmosphere in this church. I thank you for Pastor John and the, the team here and just creating an atmosphere of grace and an atmosphere of the kingdom. I thank you that the gathering place is a church where your kingdom comes. Thank you the gathering place. It's easy to minister truth here because they teach what's right about you here. But what I pray now is that you begin to build an army of people here at the gathering place that prove your kingdom, that have courage, confidence, obedience, willing to go through the process. In fact, I prophesy over everybody in this seat just an injection of courage, an injection of faith, an injection of hope, an injection, an injection of confidence. If you're here and you struggle with confidence, confidence, if you'd say that's probably, your, if you could rate on a 1 to 10, you're, you're in the less than 5 or less range. If that's you, just, you don't, just lift your hand. I just want to know what I'm praying for. If you know that you need confidence, you know, you, you know, you know for what God's called you to do, confidence is required and, and it's absent. If that's you. God, I just thank you right now to touch him, fill him. I thank you, you changed my name, and not so that I could be the only name changed. You changed my name so that I, so that others' names could be changed. And I just hear confidence, son. Confidence, 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 confidence. I feel virtue, I feel grace flowing right now as I even say the word confidence. Receive it, receive it, receive it. You know, I could easily pray for a, a, a knee that's injured, but I'm going to tell you something. I see, I see a heart. I see a, I see a confidence that's injured. And I'm going to tell you something. If you get your confidence healed, the things you'll do with your life will be so impactful. And I just declare, I see shift in confidence right now. If you know you're sitting in here and you know obedience, you know immediately that's you. That was the word for you, the obedience. There's something you need to do. There's something you need to do. There's a phone call you need to make. There's a relationship you need to repair. There's somebody you need to forgive. There's, there's something that needs to happen, and you know today it was unlocked. If you could just lift your hand real quick. I want to know who I'm, who I'm talking to. Fantastic. 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 If you're here and uh, you know you're in process, and it's been a little frustrating, a little painful, but you know you're under you're in process. And today, even as I was sharing, your circumstances got reinterpreted by a God who loves you and is setting you up to, to take you forward. If you know that's you, if you could just lift your hand real quick. Interesting how I knew that was the word for this church, and uh, and I see so many hands. God, I thank you for you beginning to breathe life into circumstances that appear to be negative, contrary to forward. And I thank you though, God, that you're, I see it, I see it, I see it so clear. God's taking you forward. He's, the enemy's trying to get you to quit. He's trying to get you to take a shortcut. If David took Saul's life, it would have been a shortcut. It would have, would have hindered the ultimate projection of his life. Hindered his legacy and his dynasty. The enemy is trying to get you to take a shortcut. 
by getting you to misinterpret the season you're in that looks like backwards. But I just say right now, God, visit, redefine, 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 redefine every person who's in process. Untangle us and allow us to be big enough to handle the tension that's going to be required for us to be launched. Finally, I just breathe fresh grace over this body. I just declare your wind behind us. And I say, I say that the secret, the key to that picture was she tried once and it didn't work. But Daddy said, try again. And I just declare just fresh grace on you to try again, to, to do it again, to go again, fly again. I see it. I see God see God behind us setting us up there was no way I was going to let those candles not be blown out for her there was no chance that I wouldn't blow them out for her and I'm I'm just a normal daddy I get tired I get sick I get impatient our father doesn't he's perfect He's, he's never out of energy never out of resources never out of breath come on he wants to just he wants to He's such a gracious God. And so I just release and bless you today with with this word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Colin. <laughs> oh, Woo! yeah, pop. I knew you'd bring it. We got some Skittles. We got some Kit Kats. Kit Kat over here. And we have a Tootsie Roll. Who loves Tootsie Rolls? Raise your hand. I'll get it to you. Tootsie Roll lover? No one? Raise your hand. And... Right here. Ready? Bob. O-H. Boom. Get it? Oh. I need a new receiver. Or maybe a new quarterback. I know USC's got beat up on pretty bad yesterday. But anyway, um, so so tomorrow we start this 30 for 30. What a great, I told you it was going to be a great message to set us up, leaving 2017, going into 2018. And again, that fasting and prayer, that intimacy piece, that's the key. So, and don't be afraid of fasting. It could be a meal. It could be two meals. It could be a day. So when you leave, there's six uh, forms out there, all the same, just the same calendar, so it doesn't get bottlenecked. And there's a pen right next to the calendar, so it's really handy. Write your name in on a day or two. Let's do it a week at a time. If you don't know what's going to be happening in two weeks, three weeks, well, there's really no difference. You're either going to eat or not eat. But this next week, and you can put two names on the same day. We're allowed to fast together. And let's fill out this next week. I'm going to tell you that fasting is the reason God's attracted to it, heaven's attracted to it, is because it's called dependency and humility. You're saying, you're my source. And I'll tell you, when I've done extended fast, when I've fasted three days or seven days or ten days or 21 days, the key for me, maybe it'll be for you, is when I get hungry, I think, what's, what do I want more? To eat or to have the thing I'm fasting for? I'm going to eat again. I'm not going to die. I'm telling you, the reward is amazing. And God gives grace to the humble. 
And fasting is about humility and dependency. So, let's begin praying tomorrow. 30 minutes a day. It could be in your car on the way to work. Turn off the radio and just pray in other tongues. Worship. Read the Word, you know, during your lunch period. Whatever. Just carve that out. I'll be sending you little two-minute video clips, you know, just to encourage you along the way. If you don't, if you're not signed up for my blog, please do that. You can put on your, your guest card right there. Just put your name, your email address, and say John's blog. You can also sign up for the 30 for 30 on there. Um, guests, great to have you here. Um, on your way out, there's a, a there's a guest card in your bulletin. Just fill out that guest card, drop it in the box out back. We've got a gift for you. Let's all stand. I'm just going to pray a, a blessing over you, and then we are going to go out and be the salt and light of the world. Next Sunday, we're going to launch our brand new series, Loving God Back. That is what... Christianity is just responding to the overwhelming, undeserved, unlimited love of God. Every dime we give, every dollar we give, every prayer we pray is simply a big fat thank you to heaven as we're on our way there. And the next Sunday night, two hours of prayer and praise uh, at the youth building over at New Hope Church. We're going to use that again. We're just going to go for two hours and just worship and seek God. So let's just all lift our hands toward heaven. And just say, God, thank you for all the good things you did for me in 2017. Just go ahead and thank them for it. Let's close out 2017 with thanks. Just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for all the people you brought into my life. Thank you for all the gifts. Thank you for all the answered prayers. Thank you for all your undeserved graces. Just thank them. Just go ahead and open your mouth. Just begin to thank them. Thank you for everything you did for me in 2017. You're a good God and you're amazing. Now begin to thank him in advance for what he's about to do in 2018. God, thank you so much for all the good things and all the good plans you have in store for us in 2018. We are looking forward to them and we're going to be like Abraham. We're going to saddle our donkey and we're going to obey you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks, Jeff.